Thanks for downloading this IMSA radio podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be broadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by visiting imsaradio.com or search for IMSA radio wherever they get their podcasts. Live from Trackside, this is IMSA Radio. Hello everybody and welcome along to the 2023 IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship from WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca. It is the Motul Corsa de Monterey powered by Hyundai and it's our first free practice session for uh, this WeatherTech Sports Car Championship weekend and the last time that we have a full IMSA weekend before Le Mans of course, and the slight break, and then we'll reconvene for the Searlands six hours of the Glen. It's Jeremy Shaw and me, John Hindorf, in the Global Broadcast Centre. Shea Adam will join us from the pit lane in a moment or two. 90 minutes on the clock. This is the split session, so we'll talk you through who you're going to see uh, first of all, a lot to get through as we are live for IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. So, uh, one hour and 30 minutes on the clock. Uh, I will remind you you can get in touch with us at IMSA Radio. Uh, and let's talk you through some changes on the entry list for this weekend. Uh, first of all, you'll notice we have nine GTPs. That's because... For the first time, we have the JDC Miller Motorsports Porsche 963. And that car uh, will be uh, driven uh, by, uh, among, uh, well, among the drivers, will be uh, Timon van der Helm. And uh, he'll be behind the wheel of that car, joining the two Porsche Penske Motorsports machines. Uh, that we've seen for the rest of the season. The Proton car we're here will be coming from Christian Reed's organisation for that Sealand's six hours of the Glen. Uh, and they join, of course, the Cadillacs, the BMWs, uh, the Works Porsches, as we've mentioned, uh, as well. So this is the all-skate session with everybody out on the track at the same time. Uh, in GTD, we should mention a new Aston Martin team. Uh, welcome to the big show for the newest Aston Martin partner, Andretti Autosport. It'll be Jared Andretti and Gabby Chavez who join the GTD class to make it four Aston Martin Vantages in the hunt at this event this weekend. So... Green flag for the start of this race. Give you some of the drivers as they go out. Renga van der Zander is in the number 01 Cadillac. 
at his team and uh, oh no they haven't gone out yet Mathieu Jaminet for Porsche Penske Motorsports then Philippe Nazar for the number 7 car let's pick up a few of the other drivers who have just gone out uh, Madison Snow's taking the Paul Miller Motorsport Paul Miller Racing BMW M4 GT3 out of the pit lane it's the number one car beautiful afternoon uh, temperatures pretty much perfect 102 Fahrenheit uh, on the track uh, that is 14 degrees in the air uh, sorry 14 degrees in the air and 39 on track in Celsius 57 in the air and 102 on the track on the Fahrenheit scale So, after a wee break, we've got everybody back together again and three classes out on track at the moment. In GTD, we've mentioned uh, Madison Snow, Roman D'Angelis. Roman D'Angelis in Hearter Racing Team was out at Spa last weekend. For the last couple of weekends for Hearter Racing Team. Ian James seems to have been living in Belgium for the last few weeks as well. And of course, they are now in the big show at Le Mans, having taken over the entry from Aston Martin, uh, Northwest AMR, and for Paul Dallalana, as he has announced his retirement from the sport. Pretty good week, Edvard racing in there in. G last weekend with the team battling for the win right up until the last hour or so of the 12 hour race uh, who else is out there in GTD Andy Lally for Magnus Racing Mike Skeen for Team Portoff we'll take some times in a few moments as they start to build up and bring their Michelin tyres in lots to talk about with the tyres particularly in GTP reduced tyre allocation this year which means that the GTPs have to double stint Colin Brown Maya Shank Racing with Kerb Agajanian Best time at the moment, 1.23.8. We'll see quicker than that, I'm sure. Jensen, best of the LMP2s at the moment for TDS Racing.
Then it's Francois Arrault for TDS, the second of the TDS cars, the number 35. Ricky Taylor just goes up into second place for Connick and Minolta. Quite a lot of the cars not got out. We've had 16 of the 38 cars at the moment that has gone that have gone out. So still plenty of cars yet to wander out onto the track. You will have noticed that there's been a few track changes. Not the full resurface that was supposed to have happened by now. I'm afraid Mother Nature puts paid to that. And the front straight bridge not quite finished at the moment. But a lot of new black tarmac on the runoff areas beyond the kerb. On the outside turn driver's right of turn 5 running up through turn 6 that is to help with drainage it's been a perennial problem here at WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca down through the years uh, particularly with the heavy rainfall that California's been having lately has been a real issue and it helps keep the track in better condition so there's slightly less track maintenance that needs to be done Colin Brown with the fastest time at the moment down to a 117.0 for the number one GTP that's one of the accuracies. then Ricky Taylor in the second of the Acuras, that's the blue and black Conning and Minolta car. Still TDS 1 and 2 in LMP2 with Aero Motorsport and Ryan DL up into third. So... GTD currently led by Turner Motorsport, 1 and 2. Robbie Foley and Bill Oberlin split apart, of course, in the 96 and 97. So very early days in this session. Still over an hour and 20 minutes to go thank you for joining us if you're in Europe just after midnight going into Saturday morning just uh, coming on to what quarter past four 15 minutes past four at Laguna Sega Still with 27 
only 27 of the 38 cars out on track best the GTD pros by the way that's the class we haven't mentioned Antonio Garcia making his 100th race start point scoring race start there, there was an extra race in that that were, the cars were effectively in a, an invitation class when they weren't homologated. They were actually doing some testing for this car now. Still in the GTE era. this weekend for Antonio Garcia new car coming for Corvette of course here specifically designed LMP uh, excuse me GT3 Delatraz improves the time in the Orica, as does Ross Gunn in his heart of racing, Aston Martin, goes to the top of GTD Pro, only third best in GTD though at the moment, there are no differences with, well, between the cars in GTD and GTD Pro, the differences is, differences are in the driver lineups. So we're seeing the number five bright yellow JDC Porsche out on the track, just climbing the hill through turn six. If you're trackside listening to us on the PA, thank you, by the way, to all the technical staff from IMSA and WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Sega for making sure that we can be heard on the public address system. So first laps in IMSA competition for the privately entered number five machine. And we had, of course, Jolta, Hertz Jolta Racing. Just an in, uh, installation lap, by the way, for the number five, straight back into the pit lane. And just a moment or two ago, a little side-by-side -side moment for one of the heart of racing cars. That was the GTD Pro car, Ross Good, getting a bit of a side swipe from the LMP, uh, one of the LMP2 TDS cars. I think it was a 34 actually 
rounds just pitted as well. So just going back to that number five car. It was Time and Van der Helm who went out with the JDC for the motorsports sports car. Yeah, the Hertz Jota car was the first private Porsche to compete. And they did very well, thank you very much, at Spa. A couple of weekends ago in their WEC debut. Uh, was the fastest of the three Porsches out there. Didn't finish above, uh, didn't finish at the top of the results as far as Porsche were concerned, but did have the fastest race lap. Proof if proof were needed that Porsche customer racing are very good at being able to turn out cars to their customers. There's a little bit of peering into the V8 twin turbo engine down at JDC. Congratulations to John Church and the rest of the team for getting that programme together. And I'm sure this weekend it'll be a bit of a voyage of discovery. They were in Germany building their car at Weissach in Porsche Motorsport before bringing it back here to the USA. See if we can pick up anybody on a better lap. Sebastian Bordes just done his best lap in the zero one. He'll be looking for a bit of redemption this weekend, won't he? After that crash into the wall that ended the gold-fronted Cadillacs race before it even began, really, on the streets of Long Beach. Third quickest for that Chip Ganassi run zero one machine. Bit of work for them as well as Renga van der Zander completely and utterly destroyed what I was calling the network spare in the WEC at Spa a couple of weekends ago. Coming up the hill from Eau Rouge to Radion something not quite right in the steering of that car said Renger off on a tangent now that isn't their that wasn't their Le Mans car as I say that was the spare car their uh, Le Mans car is has been busily testing they were out of VIR a week or so go oh, that's off as well for Seabass and he's in the wall at six that's a big off lost the Back end on turning to six and just went straight on over the gravel. And that's more damage for another Cadillac. Those gold-fronted cars, my goodness me, they've not had so much luck, have they? And Seabass again is in the wall. And that's right front damage. The bodywork peeled away. The worry will be what's gone on underneath. The red flag has come out straight away. And already the EMR safety crew are there. The driver's door is open. 
Sweepass is on the left-hand side of that car, so they're already talking to him. Came with fire extinguishers in hand, and they weren't required. What a bizarre incident. Now, that was eight laps out, so nobody can blame cold tyres on this one. Uh, got on the kerb. Too much on the kerb, turning into turn six. And the back end just broke away on turning. The right rear Michelin right to the edge of the red and white kerb. So he goes under the VP bridge and turns in. And then the back end breaks away. Then it goes the other way in that classic tank slapper. And there's just no room for that at turn six. Got on the brakes as quickly as he could. And it's a sideways impact into the quadruple stacked tyres. Yeah, the back end. Big slide. Maybe on a down change. Maybe just a brake balance issue. These brake-by-wire systems on the GTP cars, incredibly complex. And the different manufacturers allowed to use their own software on the hybrid side, although the hybrids are stock, the, the control systems don't have to be. I think it was, to be honest, that kerb there is very, very sharp. And it looked as up maybe just a little bit too far to the right before Sebastian turned in. Now, he's not got out of the car, so he must feel he's got half a chance of driving this back. And because he went in to the tyres sideways, then he may not have done so much damage. He's out of the car now. Let's uh, bring Jeremy Shaw in on this. He's been watching interestedly uh, with what's been uh, going on and uh, and particularly watching the times as well. Right-hand rears on the right-hand left. Uh, right-hand left. Right-hand front and rears on the kerb there, Jeremy, do you reckon? Yeah, I think so, John. I don't know if you can hear me now, but uh, it's, a, it's a strange kerb, that one. It's pretty flat, but uh, you can you certainly upset the car as you turn into that corner. I mean, he, he's done that you know, thousands of times before, so uh, he knows what he's doing there. But uh, this time, it just got away from just, just uh, as he turned in. It just snapped as he turned in, and he's a passenger from there, John. Uh, that, I mean, it's not been a good couple of... Uh, it's not been a good couple of weekends racing for Cadillac Racing and Chip Ganassi uh, and for the gold-fronted cars um, and the blue-fronted cars. It was Seb himself, wasn't it, who put the car in the wall very early on. It was basically down to turn one, lap one, uh, and ended their race at, uh, at Long Beach and then that nasty accident for Ranga van der Zande in in Belgium. Yeah, it's not been uh, a good few weeks, at least in terms of these cars, for Sebastian Bourdais, has it? Really, really disappointing, that error he made on the first lap at, uh, at Long Beach. I mean, you call it an error, but I mean, it was it, it, he didn't really do anything wrong. He just couldn't maintain control of the car when it snapped sideways on him. And it pretty much did the same thing here. I can't imagine it's the same uh, issue 
that, that, that caused that car suddenly to snap, John, but uh, it's certainly very strange. I mean, Sebastian Bourdais doesn't make many mistakes, uh, but he's uh, apparently made two now in, a, in, a, in terms of rate, uh, track time, very short spirit, uh, period of time. Now, he has got out the car now, so he's not going to be able to drive it back. So coming up the hill, by the way, this was from five to six under the VP Racing Bridge. Uh, not on the new tarmac, by the way. Uh, the drivers have been told to stay off that. And if they've got any sense, they will, because it'll have completely different grip uh, kit uh, concept and uh, coefficient. That was what I was looking for. Than the, the old circuit. Uh, the old circuit. Uh, that they would have their other side wheels on. Uh, and, well, uh, it looks like that car may have to be lifted out of there, Jeremy, to be quite honest. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not easy to get the cars out of that gravel trap in any case, and particularly when it's sort of pinned right up against there against the tyre barrier. So just really, really disappointing for this uh, Cadillac racing team, and, and particularly for Sebastian Bourdais, who's... Yeah, I mean, you know, he, he always goes well. He's never, he's never had much success here at uh, well, at Raceway to Gudasaka. Even in the Champ Car days, this is one of the tracks he didn't manage to get a win at, um, and he hasn't yet in in sports cars either. So you know, it, it doesn't seem to be uh, doing him many, many favours, and it certainly hasn't done this afternoon. And this has stopped the session, but not the clock. Uh, that still continues to count down. Um, Great to see John Church with that bright yellow number five, Jeremy. Finally, he, he, I mean, he can leave he can leave the stickers on the other car. Our other car is a Porsche, which is quite nice. But that car is here. It is going to be competing. And uh, I'm sure, much like uh, Sam Hignett and the guys from Hertz Jota Racing, they'll be looking this, at this as an extended test session, won't they? Uh, very much so, yeah. I mean, the drivers, neither Timon van der Helmer nor Mike Rockefeller have driven this car at all, ever. Oh, really? So they didn't no. even shake it down at Visak? It was given a quick shakedown, I think, by, by uh, Maddie Campbell at, um, at Visak before it came over here. The team has spent, well, six of the last eight weeks at Visak building the car, prepping the car, uh, getting familiar with the, with the machinery, but uh, they haven't yet turned the wheel. This... this Today, this afternoon, is the first time that car has turned a wheel with either of the of the uh, WeatherTech Series drivers aboard it. So, yeah, they've got a very steep learning curve. They've done a lot of prep work on simulators, but it really isn't the same, is it, as driving the real thing. And uh, yeah, I know they're, they're super excited to get this car on track and just learn about it. As you say, the goal for this weekend is to, is to complete every lap of every session, keep running at the end of the chequered flag as well on, on Sunday, and that will be a job well done because... Yeah, the car's already sorted uh, in terms of it had a, had a shakedown and, and they, they are comparing notes closely with the uh, Porsche Penske team. So they're getting a lot of transfer information and you've just got to make the, the best use of it. Well, I think as, uh, we, we've, we've been around long enough, Jeremy, to see what Porsche have done down through the years. And one of the reasons the car is not the 920 is... Uh, it, it's the it's the 963 because it follows on from the 962, which you know was yes a very successful works car, but in the hands of privateers it ran for years after uh, after the works team had disappeared, and and that's the same concept here. And Porsche have not act, not really ever stopped doing customer racing because they've been doing it, and they're well used to doing it with um, with, with their GT program. 
Yeah, very true. And yeah, they they do have a lot of experience uh, on on running customer customer programs. And yeah, they, they've they've uh, I mean they've just had a win with this car at Long Beach. Of course, it was somewhat. Yeah, I'm not sure if fortuitous. I mean, but they, they were in, in position to make it happen. Uh, it wasn't the fastest car probably at Long Beach, but they have got a win under the belt already. And it's really remarkable, hasn't it, beginning to this GTP era. Three races under our belt on three completely different racetracks and three different manufacturers coming away with the victory spoils. Uh, Porsche already uh, in, that, uh, in that realm, and uh, they will be... They would. They were absolutely thrilled to get a win so early in this program's gestation period. Yeah, they rolled the dice uh, in terms of tactics. Didn't take tyres. They knew they would struggle late on in the race. Got a little bit fortunate with a, a mistake from the Wayne Taylor uh, team when they were racing them and, and trying to get them down. And uh, Ricky put the car in the wall. Uh, it would have been a great finish. I, I'm not sure that they would have been at the Porsche would have been able to hang on with the uh, the the grip differential between those cars. Well, the zero one Cadillac is up in the air, and well, Joe Bradley always says to me, if the wheels are pointing in the right direction vaguely, it's probably not as bad as you thought, and they are pointing in the, the right direction. I, I thought we were going to see when it was pulled out the tyres, that front right corner ripped asunder. And I think that suspension looks kind of okay. Maybe need a steering arm, but it's certainly not dangling down as if it's not attached to anything there, Jeremy. That's true. Yeah, all four wheels are are attached, but there's certainly a a lot of bodywork damage on that car. And as we've seen... uh, over the years that bodywork these days is remarkably resilient uh, but uh, that was a pretty stout impact with that tyre wall and a lot of damage to the, to the uh, cosmetically at least to that zero one Cadillac and that's uh, just exactly what they didn't want at this stage of the weekend Yeah the, you, you can do without that I think it's fair to say it's going on, it's being craned uh, with it, a teleloader on, onto a flatbed yeah, interesting. Bourdais just got, I think he just gone purple in sector one on this, on this lap, so he was certainly pushing hard there uh, in that uh, in that Calic. He just improved his time um, like a couple of laps uh, previously to to go into the third position uh, and was pushing hard there and trying to uh, you know, trying to get a bit more time as well. But uh, it's certainly going to be a you know, that's. The, pretty sure we're, that's the last time we're going to see that car in this session uh, oh, yeah. and then they'll have to get everything back up and prepared again for the uh, the second practice session which will be tomorrow morning starting at uh, 8.55 local time Decent it's crowd. pretty windy here too isn't yeah, it today and yeah. Yeah, that's, that, yeah, that's we're at upper turn 6 there it's kind of sheltered often from the wind um, but uh, it's it's certainly pretty breezy out there, and you know that could have been a factor as well. But I think it was more the fact that you know, as he turned in, the car just snapped on him as he turned into that corner, and uh, and he was a passenger pretty much after that. Really, really disappointing though for that team, particularly after that incident at Long Beach as well. Uh, there was a, a little bit of side by side contact earlier on. Francois Arrow in the TDS Racing number thirty five came into contact with the Heart of Racing number 23, the, the Pro Car, uh, and that has been noted by Race Control, and in fact, 
Francois has been assessed a drive-through. Now, you might ask yourself, not unreasonably, what's the point of a drive-through in a free practice session? What that is all about, Jeremy, is race control, setting out the stall, sending a message not only to Francois, but to the rest of the pit lane as well. And, and I'm in total agreement with that. Yeah, to be honest, I mean, it was a pretty daft move. I mean, I, I, I think there's certainly a, a case there for a stronger penalty, maybe five or ten minutes worth uh, of sitting out, because it was a pretty daft, daft move. He came out, came out of the corkscrew um, and just sort of ran fairly wide on the exit, but then just wandered across the road directly into the path of the Aston Martin, yeah. who was completely minding his own business. It's Ross Gunn. Um, I mean, it's not as, you know, Ross Gunn knows which way is up. It's not the, yeah. the red uh, the, the red door mirror from the left-hand side of the Aston, so that's yeah. had to come in and have that replaced. It's, it's yeah. a free he, he practice. He wasn't up to speed, Ross, no. Ross Gunn. No. He wasn't up to speed. He was just sort of cruising around there, but he was well off the racing line and really shouldn't have been a factor at all. So, so he's completely taken by surprise. Yeah, and it's a free practice session for goodness sake you know it's not yeah. the last lap of the race and you're battling for the championship um, but noted and penalised a uh, couple of warnings for pit lane speed violations there will tend to be warnings at this stage of the weekend uh, car number 10 being the uh, Acura the Wayne Taylor Racing Conning Minolta Acura and car number 20 uh, that is high class Racing, Ed Jones. We're still under red flag conditions at the moment. And uh, we'll get back underway. But this is costing an awful lot of time. What have we had already? 15 minutes or so of red flag. And that, that won't be time that's coming back on a fairly busy weekend. I think this is the last running today. As the very sad sight of the 0-1 Cadillac on the back of the rollback, the flatbed with flapping front bodywork. But I want to say it again, Jeremy. I, I think that front end, uh, underneath that bodywork, it is going to be, you know, the old joke, my Cadillac's got no nose. Uh, how does it smell? Uh, you know, it, it is that. That's going to need replacing. But I think the suspension right front is actually in better condition than one might have hoped. And I can now totally understand why Sebastian Bourdais was hopefully sitting in the car thinking he might get pulled out of that. Um, I'm just looking at the rest of the car. The left-hand side, I can't see any damage there. There's, the bodywork is sprung from the, the right rear corner, the rear deck, but it hasn't even derange, deranged the the rear wing on that car. They, they might have gotten away with that other than, other than the nose piece. Yeah, conceivable, certainly, but they're going to have a good... good a good look over it and the good news is it, it did hit sort of fairly square, square when it by the time it finally made contact with the uh, with the tire barrier it wasn't as if it went in at a sort of a, a an acute angle and sort of you know smashed into the right front it was the the load of the impact would have been spread somewhat along the side of the car so it certainly could have been a lot worse uh, that's for sure but um yeah it's it's still going to be a uh, a lot of work to, to just to check everything over uh, all the, obviously all, all the bodywork has to come come off and then they've got to get it back on the setup pad and, and see how straight it is before they even think about the possibility of sending Bourdais or anybody else back out onto the racetrack this afternoon we are back to green flag conditions uh, there's been a few driver changes Mike Rockenfeller I noticed was climbing into that JDC Porsche that's going to take a bit of getting used to to remind ourselves to say that 
Let's see if he comes out of the pits in the number five car. Just about everybody. Bill Orbelin's still in the pits for the 97 Turner Motorsport BMW. Frederick Schandorf is still in the pits for Inception Racing. And, of course, as I say that, the 720 McLaren uh, drives out. Antonio Garcia still in the pits for the Corvette. And, in fact, that number five is still in the pits for JDC in the 963. Uh, the two other Porsches, Porsche Penske from Motorsport for Mathieu Jaminet in the number six car. That's the one with the white pinstripes. And the number seven is uh, Philippe Nasser for the number seven car with the black pinstripes and uh, swoosh in front of the rear wheel. Coming down the final corner now. And we'll turn right-handed into it and out of it. If you are just joining us live, it is live free coverage as ever. WeatherTech Sports Car Championship from WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Sake. John Hainoff and Jeremy Shaw in the Global Broadcast Centre for Radio Shaw Limited. All of the practice sessions for WeatherTech Sports Car Championship with us here. Qualifying, of course, live in sound and vision, whether you're in the States or further afield. And, of course, we'll be on Sirius XM for the big race on Sunday but that's not all I feel like one of those overnight TV ads but that's not all because we have two master races live in sound and vision uh, for free wherever you are around the world or here in the States uh, and of course we'll have Michelin Pilot Challenge qualifying and the race as well So, just under an hour to go. There'll be frustration, Jeremy, I think, up and down the, uh, up and down the uh, pit lane because the, the last thing you need round here uh, is to lose a bit of time. This is a, a difficult surface to set the cars up for. Um, weather, as I mentioned earlier on, has, uh, has not been the friend of WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Sega and they've not been able to, to resurface the track. It'll start actually next week. So losing track time here, not what any of these teams wanted. So 52, 53 minutes still to go. And out in front at the moment, Colin Brown for the 60 Acura from Maya Shank Racing goes past the scene of the crime and crawls up climbs up to the top of the hill what a I, I, you mentioned it earlier Jeremy and it's a fair point that you've made three different tracks at the start of the season this this is the first um, permanent what might one might say a traditional road circuit it's the first two hour and 40 minute race um, so such variety in the early part of this season makes it really even harder for the teams to get themselves into some kind of um, 
some kind of, of rhythm. Very true. Uh, and of course, you know, this is the first track with any significant elevation change. I mean, other than the banking at Daytona, uh, all, all the trace tracks have been pretty flat so far. So uh, that, that's uh, that, tick that box here at, uh, at WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca, that's for sure. And you know, back to your point here about the, uh, the track surface. Uh, for the teams, it's probably good news that uh, the track hasn't been repaved because at least other than the GTP entrance, everybody else has some sort of data to work from here from in the past. Uh, so they know this is a higher, high tide degradation track uh, and they will be working accordingly. If we come here with the new surface, uh, then it would be all the data pretty much you had in the past would be, would be not much use at all, I think. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's a shame that the, the uh, repave hasn't happened yet, uh, as was originally scheduled, but uh, it, everything happens for a reason, right? And hopefully we, we get this, uh, this will be the final weekend on this old surface and then uh, next next year they come here but the track will feel completely different yeah and it'll be another learning curve for everybody when they resurfaced uh, Watkins Glen um, a lot of the drivers were very uh, happy to see the new surface but were disappointed because of some of the nuances of the old track went where the bumps were, where you had to be, you know, half a car's length away from the the apex. So when the repave happens here, which I say is uh, starting as soon as possible after this race, uh, we'll just have to wait to find out and see now what happens. Yeah. Um, and back to that Watkins Glen repave, I mean, it, it was just incredible how much grip that track had after the repave. Uh, if, if we have that here, the speeds around here are going to be really silly. Um, so um, it's, um, you know, it's, a, it's a delicate balance that the, uh, the engineers have in terms of what sort of asphalt uh, they lay down, what sort of consistency it has when it's finally laid down. By the way, it looked like there had been some repaving there on the, on the, coming down the hill. Didn't it before turn uh, turn ten there? The right hand driver's right coming down the hill, uh, out of eight and down towards. Uh, oh, excuse me, out of nine and in towards ten. It's a new asphalt there on the, on the right hand side, off to the driver's right, off the racetrack, where the sand used to be. Or rather, it used to be just sand. I suppose would be a different way to put it. Alex Sims hanging the back end of the number 31 wheel and engineering Cadillac out at turn three into turn four. He's not hanging about. Now through the back turn five, runs it all the way to the curb and over the edge of the curb and all four wheels off the track there. The white yeah. line on the inside of the track. Yeah, same there, John, isn't it? Oh, the extra five there, they've done a, a whole bunch of repaving there, which... I think is a shame because um, it's it's going to alter the track. I mean, you, you, you'll pick up a lot more speed going through there if you use all that extra asphalt. Oh yeah, that's off on that corner, and that to me, you know, we're going to get into the track limits thing again, aren't we? Which I absolutely loathe. Um, yeah, it shouldn't be these track limits violations shouldn't be necessary. If the track is done properly, it shouldn't be necessary, in my opinion. And um, yeah, on the exit of turn 11, we've had that sort of astroturf on the exit there, which oh, is yes. sort of self-policing. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there is a little bit of grip. Yeah, it's, there's some grip out there, but it's, it certainly isn't grippier than the racetrack. 
but uh, what there is now on the exit of turn five in particular, and I think coming down the hill also out of out of uh, out of nine, is certainly going to make the track faster. So that's I, I saw in some of the earlier sessions there were some drivers being pinged yeah. for for violating the track limits, and I, I just I think it's just really untidy to do that. The reasoning behind it, um, you can't fault it. There's a couple of reasons behind it. I think. Uh, how long have we been racing here? Yeah, and how and how long have we been complaining about people bringing a whole load of sand on from the edge of the track? Hey, I'd rather have that, quite frankly. Well, but the other side of it is that the the track gets uh, when the, when it rains hard here, you get a lot of muck and rubbish slides down onto the track and needs a lot of cleaning. Uh, Which is still going to happen. Well, apparently not, because of the way that they've laid the, the tarmac. That's the whole point. It, it's a runoff area, so that mm. that doesn't happen. Um, but, I mean, the white line is the edge of the track. Uh, it doesn't really matter what's beyond that. If you go across the white line, you're off the track, and you should get pinged for it. Um, mm. I, you know, that's, it's, it's, it's quite simple, really. As I think it was Alexander Wurtz said to me a few years ago, if there was a wall there, nobody would hit it. So, you know, but there isn't. So That's right. What so people will use do, it. If it's paved, use it. The, the people, drivers will take the, um, will take as much as they can um, until, um, un, until they're told they can't. So you've got to penalise them early on, I reckon. There's no point in only penalising them in the race because at that point they've been driving all weekend and, and they've got themselves into a... Uh, into uh, a rhythm. You're right, by the way. It is all the way down from Rainy Curve uh, yeah. down uh, to the bot to the bottom of uh, of Turn Nine, and that yeah, is even more it, it doesn't look good because of the fact that the other the, the other tarmac is it, so much of a different colour, and there's a patch also at the final corner. Um, anybody who's driven this track on uh, i racing or any of the platform games know that coming out of Rainy at night. You've only got to get your turn in a tiny bit wrong and you're into the gravel and that's your lap gone. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll be interested to see how it races um, and if it affects how many uh, yellow flag periods we have. So, back to the times. Yeah. Uh, it's still that, that time set very early on by Colin Brown that remains fast. So, one minute 17.0 and... Uh, Put things into perspective a little bit. The old uh, uh, um, DPI, I forgot what the cars were called then, uh, the old DPI race lap record was set by uh, Tom Blunquist at 115.5. Actually, I think it was Tom Blunquist who set that 117.0, wasn't it? Uh, 115.5 was the old race lap record uh, around here, just for uh, uh, for some sort of benchmark there uh, so 117.0 for uh, for the number 60 car second fastest the uh, Penske Porsche car number 6 at 117.1 and then uh, third fastest remains Ricky Taylor in number 10 Cadillac so it's Acura Porsche uh, Acura the top 3 second of the Porsches in fourth position that's Felipe Nasser in number 7 Porsche and then the Colin Filippi 
in the best of the BMWs in fifth position. And what a great couple of races that that BMW team has had after a really challenging first couple of races at Daytona and then Sebring. A really strong run at uh, Long Beach last time out where Conor Filippi finished in second position and set the fastest lap of the race. So it was no fluke that he got up into second position there. Really strong performance by, by that team. It wouldn't be cool if uh, we had the fourth different manufacturer uh, end up uh, on victory uh, top of the victory lane here on Sunday night. The yeah, and it's not beyond the bounds of possibility either, uh, particularly here. Uh, and another different length of race, as we've mentioned. Uh, as far as the championships concerned, Jeremy, we're, we're starting to get into the meat of the season here already. Um, next time we'll see all of these cars together will we'll be at the third of the long-distance races, which will be early July at the Seal and Six Hours of the Glen. Before that, uh, we've got just one class uh, from Pilot Challenge at the Detroit Grand Prix on the new circuit there. So a bit of a break. Um, a lot of the teams and drivers will be heading across uh, to the Nürburgring 24 hours next weekend and then Le Mans a couple of weeks after that. Um, so we're starting to get into that part of the season where the races, you know, we've had a reasonable gap between the races. When we get back to uh, the six hours, the seal and six hours of the Glen, the races come pretty quick. That That's the meat of the season. That's when the championship for me really starts to kick in and when it could be won and lost. Uh, very true. Of course, only nine races this season, as opposed to regular ten that we normally have. But uh, you're right. I mean, it's been uh, a bit wide open after these first three races. Uh, the only team that has scored top five finishes in all three races is uh, the Wheeland Engineering Cadillac team, Column 31. They've had two fifths and a first. The first, of course, came at Sebring. Uh, nobody else has had uh, three top fives in a row, which is pretty interesting. Interesting, particularly for the fact that you know, all of the teams have made some sort of mistake in the first few races of the season. 42 minutes still to go. And last time around, an improvement. No, that was, sorry, before he went in the pit for Porsche Penske Motorsport for Mattia Giamine. Uh, interesting what you mentioned uh, about the Porsche and uh, winning last time out on the streets of Long Beach, Jeremy. They are not, you were right, they weren't the, the quickest of the GTP cars, and that was exactly the same at Spa and the WEC. Uh, they were the, the least quick of the uh, GTP uh, GTPs, or the hypercars it's called over there, um, other than uh, Peugeot. In fact, actually, I think one of the Peugeots were quicker than them. But they do seem to race quite well even if they haven't got the pace. And what they're lacking, perhaps, in, in one lap play, per, pace, they're making up for inconsistency. And certainly, it, it's at Long Beach, they've ruled that tactical dice and, you know, uh, came up whatever the opposite of snake eyes were. They ruled a seven. <laughs> yeah, good one. So, let's see if they can continue to improve. They've announced their... 75th anniversary colour scheme for Le Mans, which is rainbow colours. And the defining factor will be the thin colours, one red, one white, one black, because there will be three of them at Le Mans. 
don't forget, we'll have uh, full coverage of Le Mans. Still the only broadcaster to bring you test day coverage and then every session live and free Wednesday through to after the race on Sunday. And we'll give you news on XM Series as well for those of you in the United States for that. And uh, looking forward to that as an event um, how we're going to manage to get around with 300,000 people at Le Mans this year I'm not entirely certain but a hit of almost 50% of the grid for the Le Mans 24 hours are drivers with uh, some IMSA experience I think it's 46 or 47% uh, of the, the grid so a really big IMSA contingent and IMSA interest there um, with the teams and the drivers going to the Circuit de la Sarte for this very special Le Mans on the second weekend in June. Hope you can join us over on RS1 for Haggerty Radio Le Mans. And if you're coming down, well done um, for getting yourself a ticket, to be quite honest. So still uh, 40 minutes to go and starting to get a few... Um, uh, to, to go in this session Jeremy and in the classes GTD holding sway again this is something that we've seen uh, a bit of a pattern of in the early part of this season that in the practice sessions the GTDs tend to be good and go a little bit quicker than the GTD broadcast perhaps just concentrate more on their, on their race uh, strategies rather than uh, going for pace. Maybe some of the other teams aren't. I don't know. It's, it's certainly a, a curious anomaly that certainly seems to be there on a, well, not really anomaly because it's on a fairly regular basis. But the fastest of the times in GTD has been set by Catherine Legg uh, in the uh, Great Hit Racing Acura Climber 66 at a 125.025. Uh, and uh, she is, she also set fastest lap of the race at uh, at Long Beach uh, as well, didn't she? So uh, I think she did, yeah, yeah, she did. Um, so uh, she's she's on a bit of a roll at the moment. She she loves driving this car, and, and Sheila Monk has done a, done a really nice job stepping up to this level for the first time in her short career. So uh, it's uh, Catherine Egan's fastest at the moment. Aaron Tielitz, uh in second position in the Vassar Sullivan Lexus. That car has had. Uh, three good finishes in the early part of the season but the best though was a, a couple of fifths then a third last time out at Long Beach and uh, that car's second fastest at a 125.056 a .031 only between those two cars also within the same tenth of a second by the way are Chandler Hull Bill Oblin set the time in number 97 Turner Motorsport uh, BMW and number sister car number 96 of Robbie Foley also within that same tenth of a second 125 um, or just over a tenth of a second uh, in, in fourth position so super tight there in GTD then it's the best of the GTD pro cars that would be Ross Gunn despite that incident he had earlier on with the LP2 car at a 125.3 
Good look at that, number, number 94 car, new to the IMSA World Tech Sports Car Championship. The team not new, Andretti Autosport, the car very much new. An Aston Martin GT3 car that this team has uh, opted to bring here. No LMP3s this weekend, of course, just LMP2s to go with the GTPs and the GTD categories. But great to see Andretti Autosport uh, once again broadening its wings and moving into the GT ranks for the first time at number 94 uh, Aston Martin with uh, the regular drivers Jarrett Andretti and Gabby Chavez aboard that car making that car's debut here this week Do you think Jeremy, we, we did hear the news as well that LMP3, um, after this season, will not be a part of the WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. They'll continue in the VP uh, Racing Fuels Championship as the top class, along with the GT, uh, the GT uh, four cars, the GSXs, as they're called, called there. Um, and uh, the, uh, do you think Andretti is, you know, that's part of that decision, or was it? as far as you're aware, always an idea that they were going to move into the GTs? Good question, uh, to which I don't really know the, the, the proper answer, to be honest. But uh, yeah, it's really a shame, I think, in some respects, that we're not going to have LMP3s beyond the end of this season. But I think IMSA has... Uh, you know, they've, they've come to a sensible decision, given how the series is looking for, you know, for the future with the hopefully the growth of GTP LMP2 is still strong and GTD is certainly massively strong at the moment so uh, I think it makes sense not to have too many cars out on the racetrack and one less class is going to make things a little bit less less confusing for for, for, you know, for non-regular fans so I, I, I think that makes sense uh, LMP3's uh, certainly, it's a, it's a great category. It's, uh, it provides a, a wonderful opportunity for drivers and teams to get their wet, their, their feet wet at this level of competition, with a, with a view of moving up into WeatherTech Series uh, for the future. So, you know, to, to, I, I'm glad that LMP3s are still going to be on the IMSA uh, weekends. But as you say, just running as part of the VP Racing Challenge for, from next season. And, you know, IMSA's, they've done their homework. They've canvassed opinions from everybody. They didn't just make the, the decision unilaterally. Uh, and, they, they, you know, they did make sure all the teams knew what was, what was upcoming before the announcement was made. Which is, uh, you know, never mind the Mandalorian, this is the way. Um, this is the IMSA way. That, that is, is yeah. always uh, how they do things. Race teams are businesses. Businesses don't like surprises. And yeah. you know, you know, let's let's not forget that um, people plan years in advance. Buying a racing car to use in a business, it has to earn its living. It's like an aircraft; if it's not flying, it's not earning. Well, a race car, if it's not got wheels turning, it's not earning. Wheels ain't turning; it's not earning. As somebody said to me um, many many years ago. So I kind of understand uh, that, and I, I, you know, hats off to John Doonan and IMSA and to, to all the, the sporting side of IMSA for making sure that everyone was aware of, of what's going on. The LMP3s have done a cracking job, Jeremy, in uh, not just giving us uh, great racing, but they bolstered the grids when that needed to be done. And I think back to LMPC before that, um, which did exactly the same job. Um, and, you know... They're still great race cars, and I'm pleased to see that IMSA have still found um, a place for them in, in the VP Championship. 
Yeah, and I hope we'll see more cars running a VP Jet yes. Challenge next year because there's a lot of those cars in this country, a lot. Uh, and there are various country clubs uh, around, around the country, and it'd be great to see more of them out on, on a more regular basis uh, than we've seen uh, kind of in the past. But, you know, did, for the WeatherTech race, we have been regularly uh, eight, nine, ten cars, yeah. which is, which is yeah, more than enough to put on a really, really good race. Heart of Racing down in the pit lane, looking at the right front of that car. And that is the 27, which is the green number. That says that that is the GTD rather than the GTD Pro. So that car has uh, turned a couple of laps, but uh, obviously clearly still having problems or having problems with the right front. Um, in fact, actually, no, that car has not put a lap time in. Roman De Angelis next to the side, to that car, but the 27 has not put uh, any lap times on the board. Half an hour to go. And the team RLL number 24 is back in the pit lane for Augusto Farfus. Steady improvement for uh, that squad, as you mentioned earlier on, Jeremy. And what we've got to keep reminding ourselves, and I was having this conversation uh, the other day, actually, um, what we've got to keep reminding ourselves that most of these cars didn't exist at this time last year in the GTP category. It was really only, only the Porsche that was running by then. Yeah, very good point. It certainly you know, remains even now very early in these cars' gestation period. Uh, and to have them now, we look at the time charts now, the top eight cars, including Sebastian Bourdais, who only did eight laps before he, that car exited into the tire wall at turn six. All of those eight cars are currently within six and a bit tenths of a second. I mean, that is crazy close, uh, particularly with four different manufacturers. There have been a few tweaks to the bounce performance coming into this weekend. Again, just some, some sort of slight variations on weight uh, and or uh, energy, how much energy they're allowed to, to use or replenish during a stint. So a few minor tweaks, but very, very minor. I mean, the, the biggest weight change, I think, was... Uh, four kilograms added to to the Acuras uh, and five taken off the BMW um, and various other, say, other little tweaks as well but yeah they've they've got a really good handle I think already IMSA on the capabilities of these GTP cars and uh, you know they seem to be very very closely matched and certainly that is the case again here this afternoon yeah at IMSA Radio, uh, except that it's quite late uh, in here in the UK and in Europe, uh, just after one o'clock in the morning. And for those of you in the UK, coverage on Viaplay via the Sky platform again this weekend. It's that is going to be uh, delayed. Actually, that's not live on Viaplay, so the only live coverage you'll get of the race in the early hours of uh, Sunday morning uh, is that Monday morning? It'll be Monday morning, won't it? Um, will be uh, via IMSA Radio here on RS2, part of the Radio Show Limited network of channels. The number 14 is in. That is the Lexus, the Pro Lexus car. <laughs> that's, that's good. Mechanics all over the back end of it, under the right rear wheel arch, one in through the back window, being uh, observed by the IMSA officials down there to make sure there's not too many people in the car. But we, uh, there's something going on 
behind the driver. Ben Barnicott sits fairly laconically in the car at the moment, uh, but there's quite a lot of work going on to the right rear of that car, inside and outside of the machine. Almost time for a new set of trainers as well for the uh, mechanic who's, who's in, in the mechanic. I can tell that by the wear pattern on his, uh, on his shoes, Cherubic. Yeah, I tell you, what a start it's been to the season for Versus Sullivan Lexus. I mean, they had third place at Daytona, second at Sebring, and then got the victory last time out at Long Beach. Uh, and not only that, but the final four races of last season, also this number 14 car finished on the podium in GTD Pro. So this team very much on a roll at the moment, holds a, 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 an early lead in the championship um, over the Mercedes uh, number 79 car of uh, uh, WeatherTech Racing, the Proton Competition team. But uh, it's certainly for, for this uh, old Lexus, I mean, this car's been around, what, seven or eight years now. It's, it's, I think it's, I'm pretty sure it's by far the oldest spec of GT3 car that's still running, but it's still competitive. And, and what's interesting about that is that the Vassar Sullivan team, in particular, they just continue to develop that car. You know, there's not a lot of changes they're able to make during the season, but uh, they've they've tweaked away at it. And it used to be one of the the, the car's Achilles' heels with his appetite, particularly for rear tyres. And they've done a lot of work to alleviate that over the years. And now the car is not only fast uh, on a one-lap basis, but is also fast through a race stint as well. And that uh, that team of Jack Hawksworth and Ben Barnicott, they're getting up near. You know, they, they they speak the lang- same language quite literally because they're both from Yorkshire in England. Uh, and uh, it's 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 a really really good and productive partnership for that Vassar Sullivan team. New car has already been seen out testing. It's the Toyota GR GT3. It will be branded Alexis. Uh, there's already been video footage of it testing at it's Fuji, wasn't it? Uh, that it was out at, unsurprisingly, as that is uh, Toyota's test track, Toyota's own uh, facility, their own Fuji Motor Speedway. And uh, that car, very low slung, very impressive. And uh, haven't seen... Uh, really the full road car yet so they're doing something similar to what one of two manufacturers have been doing um, the Ford GT was the same the Onsaline S7R so they're developing the racing car and then they'll backwards engineer that into a road car so there'll be very few if any compromises for the new GT3 uh, Lexus and uh, they have the opportunity then to come and race here in IMSA in all the GT3 around the world and also go to Le Mans and there'll be very few GT3 cars in the FAA WEC next year because there simply aren't enough room for them possibly uh, as few as 12 and that'll be two each from six manufacturers with priority given to Manufacturers who have hypercars. So AMG, Aston Martin, uh, don't. Um, they're the two major ones, I think, that would want to go to Le Mans with GT3 cars who don't have hypercars or GTPs at the moment. Big fan favourites, uh, that T-Rex car, the Rexy car. Problem out on the track. And for a moment, I did think it was for the uh, 
number five Porsche. Uh, but it isn't. Uh, this is the number 11 car that has stopped. Mikkel Jensen for TDS Racing. And that car got round the Andretti hairpin and in fact went up the inside of the, the Rexy Eo car and then just didn't punch out of it, Jeremy. No, that's right. Some sort of a problem coming off that corner there and uh, it's, it's lost pace entirely. He coasted around turn three and then I think he stopped driver's right underneath the bridge before turn four. He's, he's got it going again. That's good news. Hopefully he can get a car at least into a safe location, if not back to the pit. They've only got, uh, what, uh, less than 20 minutes to go into this session and the last thing we really need is another red flag having lost quite a bit of time to that incident earlier on but he has got the car going now and it does seem to be at a certainly isn't anything like a full speed not even close but it is running at a pace where he should be able to get the, back to the pits without too much drama well, hopefully although has it slowed down again he's only he's only at turn four yeah. um, and there are he's got to go all the way up the hill so, yeah, that's going to be a tough one. Yeah, hopefully he's going to do the right thing here. And if he if he realises he's not going to get around, he can he can get off to a, to a safe uh, position. It's not it's not coasting. It it, it, it is under. It's driving. Under yeah, I think so. Now it's into a ground or halt. So turn five. That's, that's a shame. He didn't uh, put, just pull it off there. That's disappointing. Somebody the, of his experience should have thought, uh, mind you, no. There's, there's not yeah. that many places here where you could drive it off without having True. to go across the, and, and risk getting it stuck in the in the sand. Uh, another red True. flag. Driver's um, right into turn five is one place, though, but it, yeah. it, it, it's a nightmare to get it back from there. So I can understand his resistance to, to do that. The place to go would have been... a red flag. Yeah. And we are going to have another interruption. The... the I think the only place he, he had an opportunity there was to turn left and turn four. Uh, and there is actually a paved area there where rescue vehicles come on and there's a little gate there. These are the sort of things you sort of log in your mind. Now, he's got it going again. And this is Mikkel Jensen we're talking about in the TDS machine, the number 11 car, which is fifth at the moment, a little bit further down than I would have expected for for that car. He's got the pit lane speed limiter on. He's actually running with the pit lane speed limiter on at the moment. The headlights are flashing, which would tell me that the pit lane speed limiter is on in that car. So maybe that's the issue, that he can't get that off and he was trying to, to do a reset there, Jeremy. So he might be able to crawl back. I'm not sure how much they'll want him to do that but once he gets to the top of the corkscrew he can almost kick it out of gear and, and roll back down in the pit lane that, that, that's absolutely true he's not got far to do that has he another uh, 100 yards or so and he'll be able to, to coast it down and come in the back way if he needs to can, Good point. there's an exit road there uh, to the Nine. left of turn 10 which is kind of the back door into the, into the paddock and that would be uh, probably easier for him as well to get it, but get it back to the team. But uh, you know, he's, he's going to bring it down now, coming down the hill now. So he should be, it should be not too much longer before he, he's out of harm's way. Well, now he's not got the pit lane speed limiter on, but he's still not up to speed. So I wonder if there's a gear selection issue. He would have been all the way down the box through the Andretti hairpin, and he didn't seem to pick up speed coming out of it. 
Uh, if he's turned the car off and on again, quite often the default to the pit lane speed limit. And uh, the pit lane speed limiter. So he's turned that off, but he's not up to pace. But he, he's he's decided to go all the way into the pit lane here, Jeremy. Uh, he's shadowed by one of the AMR Chevy safety trucks. And that will now make its way back to its position. And as soon as that happens, we'll be back underway with 15 minutes to go. It's been a bit bit of stop-start, this one. Yeah, it has rather, hasn't it? But um, we're still going to... We should have a yeah, better part of 15 minutes. It should take only a few seconds, I think, before... Well, we need to get that Chevy... Uh, safety truck, the AMR truck, uh, back into its uh, proper location up at turn. I think it came from turn uh, six, didn't it? So it's got to way, get, get its way back around there. What they but might do is that, actually just rotate. Fairly soon. Yeah, they might just rotate another vehicle from further around the circuit into that area and and have that one pull off at say turn two. Um, so uh, we'll see. But they're, they're not doing anything else other than putting tyres on that car in the pit lane at the moment, Jeremy. No. Curious, isn't it? Uh, it? It must have been some sort of electrical problem on that car. Because as you say, he, when, he, when he went to accelerate out of the Mario Andretti hairpin, turn two, it, it didn't. Uh, and then uh, you know, he, he, he struggled to get it going again thereafter. But uh, they're, they're certainly fiddling around in the cockpit there. And maybe there's some sort of loose connection or something. But can't really imagine what what they would be doing in uh, in that passenger side of the car curious in any case uh, back at the uh, back back to the lap times uh, it's still number 60 car out front one minute 17.019 indeed was colin brown who set that time early in this session uh, on lap five he's now completed 29 uh, matthew jaminet in number six porsche second fastest philip albuquerque in the number 10 car, it's actually Ricky Taylor that set the third fastest time in number 10 at Acura. Uh, Maddie Campbell remains fourth in the number 7 car. He's driving the car most recently, but it was Philippe Nasser who set the time. Uh, and there was a change recently, just a, a lap or two ago. Uh, Pippa Durrani improved his time uh, fifth fastest in the Cadillac car number 31, a 1 minute 17.3. So again, those top five cars all within three tenths of a second. And uh, all eight cars covered by 0.628, so really, really tight there. The number five car that's been in and out of the pits, actually, it's done six, six in and outs now, but it hasn't yet completed a flying lap, so clearly some gremlins there on that uh, uh, JDC Porsche, which is now back into the pit lane and has not rejoined along with everybody else. Oh, there he goes. <laughs> Stunned them Splendid. into action, Jeremy. Splendid. Great, great to see the banana boat back in action. Isn't yeah. it? That distinctive yellow livery for John Church's cars. And I know there's there's a lot of excitement there. Uh, that the, 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 as I said earlier on, the the team has spent uh, about six of the last eight weeks at Weissacker, Germany. But the car did go to the shop in Minnesota for uh, for a few days before it was trucked out here. I gather there was some some problems with the shipping of the car too. Um, uh, Minnesota, but uh, they've got that all sold out, and here is the car. It does look absolutely stunning, I think, in that yellow livery. Hopefully, now you can actually set a, 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 you know, a, do a few proper laps at the end of this session. He seems to be up to speed as he heads toward turn five. 
were talking earlier on, Jeremy, about the tyre allocation. Once again here, um, the GTPs have been cut back, so there'll be no doubt that they have to do a double stint at some stage during the race on Sunday. Yeah, that's right. Just uh, a total of six sets for the for the race weekend in total, of which only three sets are allowed from qualifying and the race. So that's a pretty meagre tally of tyres that they're able to use for the weekend. So, uh, yeah, you're right. That's going to be that leads to some interesting strategies. And particularly, of course, here at WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca, where tyre degradation is an issue, that's going to be pretty tough for these teams to make uh, three sets of tyres last through qualifying and the race. Johnny Palmer, uh, when Johnny Palmer and I were doing the uh, the, the WEC from uh, from Spa, um, he coined the phrase of "It's a six-hour race, but they've only got four hours worth of tyres," which I thought was a pretty good way of of, of describing it. To be honest, um, ten and a half minutes still to go. Then uh, Tom Blomqvist has taken the fastest car back out again. That is the number sixty. And Nick Tandy is now out in Porsche Penske Motorsports 963, number six, with Philippe Albuquerque in third place, having just got out in the Coddington Minolta Acura. Then it's Matt Campbell for Porsche Penske Motorsports in the seven car. Peter Tarani in. The 31 wheel and engineering Cadillac, the mostly red and white car, and making up the top six. Nick Yellowly for the first of the BMWs. No Sebastian Bordet, of course, that car in the wall at turn six and being treated to some remedial uh, care down at the back of the pit into the paddock uh, hopefully we'll see that car for the session tomorrow no further action today but a busy day tomorrow with a couple of uh, practice sessions and a qualifying session for these cars plus we'll be racing for Idemit 2 Mazda MX-5s and Michelin Pilot Challenge qualifying and racing tomorrow uh, and then on Sunday, more races for Lamborghini and Mazda. And, of course, the main race for the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. Motul Corsa de Monterey, powered by Hyundai. The seven car that we just uh, uh, passed there by the number seven car, which rode on board there for just a few minutes. Number five... Uh, Porsche still out on track, so he's now competed uh, two or three flying laps. Number 27 car also, for the first time today, has strung together a couple of laps, so that now turned three laps in total um, and, and seems to be now uh, running, having had some problems earlier on. The other cars has obviously had some difficulties, I think, is a Corvette racing car number three. The, uh, the Corvette of Antonio Garcia and Jordan Taylor. That car has competed only eight laps in this session and has been in the pits for rather a long time. Uh, that uh, 
Those two, oh, and oh, the other car that has, has not been out until just now is number 51, the Rick Ware Racing LMP2 car. Eric Lux is driving that car again, and he's got a, a, a new co-driver this weekend who uh, has, uh, he's, he's quite useful. Juan Pablo Montoya has uh, been drafted into that Rick Ware Racing team for this weekend. And Juan Pablo, he's, he, well, he's done everything here over the last few years. He's had a pole, he's had a win, he's had the fastest race lap. Uh, and uh, I know Eric Lux is very excited to have uh, Juan Pablo sharing this number 51 car with him this weekend. But that car, I say, just now finally has it turned some flying laps because it, it had been in and out of the pits for four or five laps earlier in the session. But now finally, with what, seven and a half minutes remaining, able to turn a couple of consecutive laps. Jeremy Shaw with me, John Hindhoff in the Hagerty Global Broadcast Centre. Good to have your company on this session of racing here on Friday into Saturday morning here in the UK and Europe. Still Friday afternoon, of course. Trackside at WeatherTech Raceway. And it will be late nights for those of us in Europe tomorrow and Sunday into Monday to follow the racing not so bad tomorrow mm -hmm. night actually New fastest time. Yes. Maddie Campbell in car number seven goes to the top now. One minute 16.956. So the first car underneath one minute 17. But uh, it's certainly by, by well, just over half a tenth of a second. Really, really tight. Remains at the front. But Maddie Campbell, new fastest time with uh, just uh, six and a quarter minutes remaining. Also a new, a big improvement there in GTD. Seb Prio in that AO Racing uh, GT3 or Roar goes to fast as he can about 80 uh, at 124.882. Yeah, yes, in that bright green machine. Fan favourite, Rexy, the T Rex colours. It's been a tough old time for that team as well, having to rebuild a couple of cars. Yeah, well. Go on, Jeremy. Yeah, no, very true. Uh, yeah, big record. The, the car didn't even start the race at Long Beach uh, due to an accident. So it's been, yeah, as you say, a very difficult uh, start. And with the crash also at Spa, um, yeah, it's not been uh, a different car, that one, of course. But, uh, yeah, good to see that car back again. And really good to see Seb Prio turn some fast laps. The, the Porsches, uh, they had a difficult time in the first race of the season at Daytona, but some changes to the balance performance after that has got the car very much back in a competitive realm. The number nine car, the FAF Motorsports team in GTD Pro, won the class at Sebring. Great strategy enabled them to do that. Uh, and the, and the, the Porsches also were competitive last time out at, at Long Beach. Uh, as well in the in the GTD class, so uh, a good good run there. Right, let's uh, wrap this up. Last four and a half minutes. Let's have it nice and clean, everybody. And see if we can get a few more changes. Uh, where did the Porsche number five get to? Mike Rockefeller got down to 120.174. He's still out there at the moment. 
having only turned a dozen laps at the moment. Um, 43 yeah. laps, I think, is the most that I've seen on the scoring tower at the moment, and that is the PR1 Matheson Motorsport Oregon number 52. Paul Luke Chapin at the wheel of that car at the moment. New fastest time again now in GTD. It's Frankie Monte Calvo this time who goes to the top in car number 12 for Vassar Sullivan uh, Racing. Car number 12 then at 124.796 to the 124.882 of uh, Seb Prio. And then the, the, the second of the Vassar Sullivan cars, the GTD Pro entry of uh, Ben Barnicott, is uh, next up in the... Uh, in the GTD overall, so to speak. Third fastest overall, first in GTD Pro. Did that time on his previous lap, so both of the Lexus running quick laps towards the end of this session. Eric Lux, despite that late start to his session, has now got within 1.4 seconds of the fastest time in the class. So good effort by Eric Lux there in car number 51. One minute 19.2 last time. The fastest time in the class was set by Louis Delatraz at 117.897. Um, quite a while ago now, probably a bit about an hour ago, I would think. Uh, the other car uh, that we saw having problems earlier on, it was right front problems for Martin Sorensen, wasn't it, in the number 27 Heart of Racing team. They were looking at brakes. That car's only turned seven laps. Uh, Tony Garcia, you mentioned, with only eight laps. Uh, the Ripware Racing car, 11. Obviously, Sebastian Bourdais in the wall after eight and a third laps. Got up to turn six on his ninth lap, but not any further. But still quite a few cars running their best laps here in these yeah. closing stages. So that there is a bit of pace out there. The, the track will be evolving. It's, a, it's an old tarmac here. The surface is very old. So the cars will be sliding around. And it's a question, I think, of how fast you want to go right now. What are you learning? And, you know, when, when do you need to go fast? And that's probably not right now. Get the balance, maybe. But let's see where the speed comes from as the, the weekend progresses, Jeremy. Yeah, then the number 57 Winwood Racing Mercedes and some other teams had a tough start to the season. That has just moved up to third position in GTD. Russell Ward at the wheel of car number 57 at the moment. He's just turned a 124.999, so sneaks ahead of Ben Barnicott in the best of GTD Pro cars. Also improvements from Ed Jones in LMP2, fourth fastest for the uh, car number 20, that's high class racing, with a 1 minute 18.5 for Ed Jones. Moves in just ahead of Mikkel Jensen. So, what do you reckon, Jeremy? I mean, you'll be happy to see the GTP cars. What have we got? We've got seven GTP cars within six tenths of a second. Um, right, it's their first time here, they're feeling their way, but you'll be happy at that. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, I agree. It's been, uh, it, you know, it seems to be not much to choose between any of the cars here. Um, yeah, uh, none of them, I think, are pushing anything alike to the max so far. They're just gathering data, really, in this first session. This uh, what time is the, the race on Sunday is over by by uh, by two fifty, so you know, much earlier in the afternoon. Um, so, you know, not really relevant track time now in relation to what they will have on Sunday during the race but still a lot to be learned a lot of data to be gathered and I think yes overall you know, there, there were two 
interruptions during the session, first with uh, Sebastian Bourdais' crash and then with that uh, problem out on the track for the number 11 LP2 car. But other than that, you know, a reasonable number of laps turned me and many of the cars turned it here over 40 laps during this first practice session of the weekend. Checkered flag is out. And it's Philip Eng who sees the checkered flag first for BMW. I'd like to think that would be the case uh, on Sunday. Well, that was an improvement right at, right at the end there for uh, Maddie Campbell in the number seven oh, yes. uh, Porsche. 116.703 now. So all of a sudden he's got three tenths of a second on the rest of the field. It's still the Acura kind of a 60 that lies second. And then the second of the Porsches in third position, kind of a six at a one minute 17.1. So what what times are were we seeing last time we were here with the DPIs, Jeremy? DPIs, the race lap record was uh, a 115.5. That was last year by Tom Blomquist. Okay. The, uh, the qualifying lap record was down to 13, 39 for Ricky Taylor. I'd say, so. would, uh, I'd say there'd be a bit of time still to come. Oh then, yeah. Um, from this, uh, it was it was very hot at the start of that session. When you're in the 109 Fahrenheit, 39 Celsius, that's uh, that's hot for the the Michelin tyres. All right then, uh, some problems in particular for Cadillac Racing and Sebastian Bourdais off at turn six. A lot of work to do there for the Chip Ganassi Racing team, and they have plenty of time to do it before we see these cars again. That ends today's track action here at WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Sega. And it's Porsche on top. Porsche Penske Motorsport for the number seven car. Ahead of an Acura from the number 60 team and Tom Blomqvist. Then the second of the Porsche Penske Motorsports machines, the number six. They're within half a second, four tenths actually, as is Philippe Albuquerque for Connick and Minolta Acura. Uh, and then still within three quarters of a second, the next runners, the 31 wheel and engineering Cadillac and the two BMW M Team RLL M Hybrid V8, all within three quarters of a second. In LMP2, Tower Motorsports held sway in this first free practice session by about half a second over CrowdStrike Racing by APR in second. Eight from four, from 18 in third, Aero Motorsport another tenth of a second back. And in the GT classes, three GTDs ahead of the first of the GTD pros. That being Vassar Sullivan, number 12, Eor Racing, the bright green T-Rex of uh, Seb Prio and the rest of the team, the number 80, and Russell Ward's Winwood Racing, uh, number 57. Lexus, Porsche, Mercedes before the first of the GTD pros, which was the Vassar Sullivan, number 14. Thanks to Shea Adam down in the pit lane and to Jeremy Shaw with me here in the booth. Enjoy the rest of your Saturday if you're at WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca uh, at, in uh, Europe and the UK. Welcome to Sunday morning. We'll speak to you for the Saturday sessions here again on RS2 and lots in sound and vision as well tomorrow. See you then. Bye-bye. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. For more, check imsaradio.com and subscribe to IMSA Radio wherever you get your podcasts.